This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. The divergent leader has the ability to be agile enough to take pieces of transformational leadership or authentic leadership or servant leadership, whatever those particular leadership dynamics are, and take those constructs and apply them to the situation that they're in. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Superstars, this is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. You've heard the likes of authentic leadership or situational leadership or servant leadership, right? Well, our guest on today's episode makes an extremely strong case for building your skill set in divergent leadership. So, if you're curious about what divergent leadership truly is and when it's the most effective, then you are truly in for a treat because our guest today is Dr. Bernie Doyle, who's the founder and CEO of Alchemy Solutions. She is a healthcare leader with over two decades of experience in nursing and healthcare administration. And she's extremely passionate about leadership development, growth mindset, and stress management. By teaching about divergent leadership, Dr. Bernie is committed to helping healthcare organizations enhance their staff engagement, improve patient outcomes, and build leaders of now to become leaders of the future. And what's so cool is that her tips apply to every company and industry, no matter how large or small. So be sure to stay tuned for just two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. I am super happy to have actually a leader in the healthcare industry. And as you all know, that is such a critical industry that is near and dear to all of us. Um, But we're very pleased to have on today's show, Dr. Bernie Doyle founder and CEO of Alchemy Solutions. She is a healthcare leader um, and she does primarily focus, but heavily focus on uh, leaders like nurses and other healthcare staff. But her practice actually is opened up to all um, individuals in all industries uh, because leadership is leadership, no matter what industry that you work in, as we all know. So welcome to the show, Dr. Bernie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be oh, here. We are so happy to have you. Well, before we dive di- deep into a lot of this great information that you have for us, um, for as much as you feel comfortable, would you please share a little bit about your personal background? Sure. 
So I'm currently living in uh, Chicago, Illinois. I just moved here back in August. So my daughter could start school. She's just starting high school. But before that, we lived by the ocean. So we lived in Florida, maybe a thousand feet from the ocean. I lived in Asheville, North Carolina. So I got to see what it was like to live in the mountains. I lived in suburbia and now I wanted to see what it was like to live in the city. So here I am. People ask me what brought you here and I'm like, the city. I wanted to see what it was like because the more exposed you get to different things, the different perspectives you gather. So I just like moving around. So my background uh, professionally is I'm a nurse by background. I've been a nurse for over 25 years. My clinical background is uh, ICU trauma surgical services and and also emergency department. So I have a lot of the the adrenaline junkie uh, when I was younger. Uh, aspect of it in my clinical uh, background. But from that, I really uh, blossomed out into more leadership, administrative type roles. And the last in organization uh, role that I had, I was the director of uh, clinical informatics for a large uh, organization in Pennsylvania. And with that, I saw the opportunities for people to really hone in on some of those leadership skills and making their teams dynamic. Um, so I took that knowledge and I decided I'm going to share with people some of the things that I wish I would have known or help develop people into those leaders that I wish I would have had throughout my year. So that's what I'm doing. Wow, that is amazing. And I know just a little enough to be dangerous. My best friend is a pediatric oncology nurse. Uh, She's in San Francisco, but we talk all the time about you know, our jobs and what we're doing, what we're engaged in. And I could just tell you from a layperson's perspective, you know, nurses are are really pushed to the brink. I mean, they have been for quite a while, even before the pandemic, but they especially exactly. were during the pandemic. And now they're just trying to come to terms on whether they want to stay in the industry or not for a lot of them. Some have made decisions one way or the other. But um, leadership, she talks about, is so important for those that are in the healthcare profession. Um, so can you share a little bit about what you saw during your career as a nurse and then what you're seeing now as you're um, teaching and coaching individuals to become stronger leaders in healthcare? Yeah, sure. So when I was first working bedside and taking care of my patients, that is all I wanted to do. I didn't want to have anything to do with leadership. That was not in my cards at all. At least that's what I thought. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but some, you know, the universe finds a way of pushing you towards things that you think that you don't want and then realize you're like, oh, actually, this is, this is where I need to be. Um, yes. So I was really, I don't want to say I was a rebel, but I guess I was a rebel. <laughs> when leadership said, blah, 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 I'd be like, well, why? And um <laughs> That wasn't always well received. Uh, Now, fast forward, you know, 25 plus years, I think why and the what if are the biggest questions that we can ask, uh, because that drives momentum, that drives the possibilities, where when I was younger, I might have, I did become more quiet in that I was like, okay, so this isn't well received. Um, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. But what I realized was those why questions actually highlighted me in the eyes of other of leadership. And then that's how I got propelled into that leadership direction. So yeah, when I was younger and, you know, with, with the way that leadership was rolling out, we were very much, I'm going to talk about healthcare specifically in, in my perspective of it. 
Sure. We were very much, not that nurses aren't now, but it was very much overarchingly care focused, meaning there wasn't that business finance verbiage that was really embedded like it is now. Whereas now it, you hear a lot like your business unit or you're an owner, you know, act like a business owner, blah, 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 blah. Or in the meetings, they, they, and I, I love a metric. I love some data. But I also, feel, I also feel that there needs to be more reconnection with that purpose and the understanding that we are here for people, not necessarily just about the finance or, or the, the metrics or like how much we can push something. I was actually, I was in a conversation the other day when they were uh, talking about trends in leadership and somebody brought up a specific thing talking about retention. And being able to, what companies do it right? What companies are really good at retaining their employees? And someone brought up the, the, the topic of healthcare. Healthcare does it really good. I said, well. <laughs> Get a double take, right? <laughs> and then somebody else had chimed in saying, yeah, I realize, you know, it really, you know, people in healthcare where you could see them 20, 30, 40 years in the same job. And you, know, you really don't see that now since COVID. And my response to that was that's not true. At least from my perspective, it's not. I think that COVID really lit a fire and highlighted, opened, you know, it shone a light on all those dark crevices in the room to where the things that have been bothering nurses at the core, like not enough staff, not enough time. I didn't go to the bathroom today and it's 16 hours later. I didn't have lunch and it's the, I'm going into like almost my third shift. Like those things have been compounding over the years, way before COVID. And COVID, because we didn't know what was going on, when you don't know what's going on, people start getting fearful. And that fear then just culminated into, yeah, this isn't for me. So I think when it comes to retention and leadership, now, post-COVID, is that really we need to reconnect with who we are as an individual. Like I said, uh, know thyself. You have to know who you are, how you interact, how you respond. And know your team. So when you know your team, you can then use your knowledge of who you are and how you interact with them. Because those connections, those personal, those personal touches with this is my leader, I trust my leader, I follow my leader, needs to be rebuilt in order to maintain the nurses that we have and grow the nurses that are coming in the future. Because we need to keep them. <laughs> There's a lot of studies out there. We don't have enough. So we need to figure out ways to keep them, grow them, and have them grow the people that are coming um, behind them. Gosh, I love that. I love to pull back the layers of the onion a little bit. When you coach uh, your clients or if you teach workshops, is there a suggested tool or mechanism or approach that you share with them to better get to know their team? How do they do that? What are what has worked well in the environment you've been in? So they always say, or you hear the saying, um, listen to understand. True. You should listen to understand. But you should also listen beyond the understanding and listen to connect. Meaning that those active listening skills, watching somebody's body language, hearing the words that they're saying, and receiving those words in a non-biased way, because we all have biases, whether we want to say it out loud or not. But those are just things that are based on things that we might have encountered when we were a kid or, you know, things that are familiar to us, things that we see all the time. 
and we frame our reality based on what we've encountered. So when you're hearing somebody else, they're speaking their truth from their reality, what they've encountered, which we have never seen nor encountered. So to truly know somebody and really connect with them, they need to feel heard and seen. And the way that you do that is listening to what they have to say, not just to understand it, but listen to hear what it is that they're saying to you. What are they feeling? Because that forms a connection, the trust, and then that helps to build the, you know, the collaboration amongst the team. And it helps with retention, by the way. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> well, we're going to add that to our playbook, active listening skills, because that is exactly a tool that can apply no matter your you know, profession or industry. So exactly. um, we definitely want to add there. Or even your so day-to-day Dr. life. And yeah, your day-to-day yeah. life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about what it means to be a divergent leader. I know uh, that is a thing you're very passionate about, but yes. I'd love to hear it from your mouth, your perspective. Okay. So um, we hear a lot of discussions about transformational leadership or servant leadership or authentic leadership. In my mind, a leader needs to be able to lead, kind of like what I alluded to before, based on the situation, who they're with, what's happening, understanding what's going on around them and having a full picture of what, what it is that they're engaging in. So to do that, there is no Really, there is no right or wrong. The divergent leader has the ability to be agile enough to take pieces of transformational leadership or authentic leadership or servant leadership, whatever those particular leadership dynamics are, and take those constructs and apply them to the situation that they're in. So being able, again, know thyself and how you interact and how your team interacts, pulling those pieces to best serve whatever the goal or trajectory that you're trying to go into. The divergent leader is agile enough to be able to switch depending on what they need. An example would be, let's say you have somebody whose skills are amazing. They're like, they can write reports for you. And you're like, oh my goodness, you know, this is the best, but they are not the best communicator. So a divergent leader knows that they have to work with that person to work on their communication piece. If they're going to grow or go further in their own career, right? They have to be able to grow those aspects of it. So a divergent leader knows that I have to communicate to this person in this way to grow them in this direction. Or Mm -hmm. let's say when you have the authoritarian leader style, like a lot of people like, don't do that. That's not the best way to do that because people blah, 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 blah. But sometimes you need to be the authority. You need to be the one that says, this is what we're doing. Because let's say uh, a disaster, uh, crisis management. When you have something that happens, whatever that that something might be, and you have a bunch of people trying to talk to each other and be like, who has the best idea? That is not the time to do it, right? So you need to be able to switch. The divergent leader knows how to switch and to become that authority, uh, you know, the authority in that situation to say, this is what we're doing. They can give the why later, but in that moment, they have to be the one that says, this is what we're doing, okay? And so that people have that trust in them to, to push whatever that is forward. Whereas other times we want to be collaborators. We want to be co-creators with our, with our team, again, depending on the situation that we're in. So a divergent leader is somebody who is beyond the transformational leadership. They're transmuting. They were like completely something new. They're not, they're not just, you know, trying to 
do these little, you know, changes here and there. They are making something that everybody is involved. They are agile. They are speaking and they're co-creating to make an environment that people like to work in, that people look forward to working in because they feel heard and seen and they're valued. And the divergent leader is the like the icing on the cake. They, they're that person that knows all the ingredients in that cake and what that cake shape is. They are the pinnacle of leader in my mind. I love that. That is such a vivid description. And I want to ask you to flip it for us. So okay. what happens when someone is not a great divergent leader? What is the dark side that can happen when they don't have that perspective? So when a leader has the, a lot of people like to call it like a, a closed or fixed mindset, that this is it's my way or the highway or whatever that fixed mindset might be. Um, there are cons to, to those leadership styles. But actually, I just I was just having a lecture with somebody about uh, the pros and cons of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. The same oh. is applicable for divergent leadership, because sometimes a growth mindset is not really growth, because if you're always focused on, you know, what's new, what's happening, you know, trying to go, 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 go. It actually becomes a con because you tire out your team because you're always changing That's stuff, right. you're always fixing things up. Whereas like a fixed mindset might be something that somebody within the team might need where it makes them feel stable, like the authority figure, somebody who's new on the team where you have to guide them step by step by step and tell them what to do until you can let them free, fly free, my friend. But you have to be (laughs) able to be, you're free, go to go do your thing. This is what I need you to do. And then they can have that autonomy, but they need to know the, the ground ropes and the expectations, which is key. Expectations are always key. So if for a person who finds that they want to lead in a certain way, like if they're always talking and never listening, they are killing the creativity in their team. They're not getting new perspectives. I used to get asked all the time, why do you let so-and-so get a, you know, be part of this team? They're always you know, so negative, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's a few reasons. One, that negative person that's on the team will highlight things that I might not have seen. Uh, yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. We might get tired of hearing the negativity, but we need to know that because how are we supposed to grow whatever it is that we're trying to implement if we don't see what our, our the wrenches might be? You know, what you know, what's going to throw a cog in the machine that we didn't see? Negative person's probably going to see that or we didn't think about it. They're going to point it out. The other reason that I love doing that is because it, once that negative person knows that there people are actually paying attention they then become your biggest advocate. So let's say you're implementing some electronic documentation and you have the person who's like, yeah, yeah, they always put the changes in the app, blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> yep. You bring them in on these discussions and you let them have a voice. They point out things that you might not have considered and then they go back and tell their friends, like, hey, I was in on this blah, blah, blah. And they actually heard me. So then they become an advocate for what it is that you're trying to do or say. So that negative person then becomes your positive person, the person who is most engaged within something that you thought, hey, they're not going to want to do this. They are because now they're invested in what it is that we're doing. And once you get them invested, you can combine that with the rest of the team. And boy, you're cooking with, as we say in the South, cooking with grease at that point in time. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Uh, So, Bernie, what I um, next want to talk about is, let me turn it on you a little bit. So 
you have had such deep experience. Uh, what does it take for you to lead it to the top of your own game? Every day, every day you have to take uh, account for, am I always in a positive mood? No. Um, but I know that about myself. I'm and surprised because you have such a great personality. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So you have to, again, it goes back to knowing yourself. So I know that these are the things that set me off. So if that's something that set me sets me off and makes me angry or you know sad or whatever that might be, uh, depending on the situation, I might avoid it. But at the same token, you can't always avoid things that just aren't, you know, pleasant. You just can't because life happens and everything happens in a cycle. So you're going to have days when you're like, yeah, I rock in this world. And then other days you're like, I think the world is on my back. Um, yeah. So for me is just knowing and being aware of, okay, this is how I'm feeling a self check. Really. I, I self check mm-hmm. myself and say, okay, this is where I'm at mentally. This is how I'm feeling. And this is where I need to be. So being able to flip my own mindset to gear, like for whatever it is that I'm doing, I need to be able to acknowledge that I'm here, not pretend I'm not, because if you're always walking around like, yeah, everything's great. I have rainbows and unicorns. That's not true. Right. You're not being authentic. You're just, you're just not. not you're going to burn out. Remember we were talking mm-hmm. earlier about the, the growth and the, the fixed and, you know, yeah. the, always being positive is not a good thing. Because you have to acknowledge that there are some things that just aren't good. But being authentic and truthful and transparent, that is very helpful. Like, do I have to tell everybody what I ate for dinner? No, (laughs) no, I don't. But I do have to be able to say, okay, this is what's happening within our team. This is why this is happening. Now let's figure it out. It's not the best, but you can change it into an opportunity. So again, for me, is knowing myself and acknowledging that and allowing myself to be mentally, like mentally regather myself to move forward to a sit towards a situation or whatever it is that I'm dealing with at the time. I love that. And what I'd love our listeners to remember is sometimes you got to give yourself air cover to um, check in with yourself mentally and do what it takes to either get yourself back on track or maybe to re-energize yourself. It, it might be the decision that you need to take a couple hours off that day, the afternoon to kind of rest and regroup and come back in the morning if you find yourself dragging, if, if you can. You know, not all times we're in positions where we can do that. But I think the takeaway definitely is to check in with yourself and make the needed adjustments or course corrections as needed, right? Yes. Yeah. And a divergent leader knows to do that, right? Because they're, they're agile to understand that, Hey, this isn't where I need to be. This is where I need to get to. How do I do that? Well, I have to change my mindset or I have to change my location or I have to, whatever that might be, you have to be aware that this is what is happening and what do I need to do to do it? Do you mind if I share a story? Please. We'd love you to. Thank you. So my, one of the organizations I work for, they were talking, they always talked about mindfulness and, you know, uh, resilience. And I was like, I'm mindful. I'm resilient. (laughs) I've got this. I, you know, I've done this, this, and this. I'm like, I got this until I didn't have it. And I remember we have what's called a downtime. So that means that the computers aren't available for clinical people to use during that particular time which uh, a lot of the, the uh, platforms that, that happens where they're doing upgrades, they're getting better at it where you don't have to actually be off the computer. But this particular day, it was supposed to be uh, an upgrade and it was going to take, you know, X amount of hours. Those X amount of hours turned into 16 hours. 
Oh man. I told you my clinical background. Um, I, I worked in the emergency department. I know how fast paced it is. I know it's life and death. You don't know who's coming in through those front doors and you need to be able to have the tools that you use during work, specifically the computer to communicate, get information from, put information into and direct the care for that patient. It's essential. So when I know that the computers are down, I take it personally, even though I'm not the one who brought the computers (laughs) down. But I'm the one, I'm the face uh, for what's going on. So I had somebody that particular time during the 16 hours call me from the emergency department and tell me that it was my fault that they were backed up. And you, as you know, the the ERs in general, you're going to have a backup. Well, not everybody, but most ERs have a backup where people waiting in the waiting room, people waiting to be admitted, um, what they call bottlenecking. So from my background as an emergency room nurse, knowing the importance of the computer and the number of people that come through that are dependent on you as a nurse to, to provide them the care that they need, I started crying. I just started sobbing and I emailed the VP <laughs> of the hospital to say, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I was letting go. Were you resigning? I was resigning in that moment because oh, I knew how wow. important it was for that nurse to have the computers and there was nothing I could do about it. So he calls me and he's like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're staying quite nice letter, but no. And it was in that moment that I realized when I took, when you, they talk about mindfulness and resilience, I didn't understand what it was. I truly didn't understand what it was. And it was the next day that I was like, okay, I need to figure this out because when I thought I had it, I didn't when I needed it the most. And that's what happens. So with that, I also, I, I, the reason that I bring that up is because when you're talking about being mindful and being able to reflect on who you are, somebody said one time, the music is beautiful during the points where the notes aren't being made. It's the silence between the notes that makes the music beautiful. And when I heard that, I thought, that's exactly it. When you are thinking or creating or just taking a moment for yourself, you need the silence. And to get to silence, you need to calm chaos, right? So yes. how do we do that? Can we sit in our offices and meditate for an hour? No. Can we <laughs> Can we go do yoga in the middle of the day? Well, depending on what you are doing, maybe, maybe you can. Yeah. But most of us can't. So I do what's called uh, mindful moments or micro moments where um, like, like with my water, when I need just a second, I'll take a breath in swallow slowly because I'm slowing myself down. I'm decreasing my vagal nerve response, my parasympathetic. I'm calming it down. So I take a breath, swallow, breathe out, swallow, take a breath, swallow, breathe out, swallow. That gives you, it just takes a couple of seconds, but it's enough time for you to recenter, regather and not be scattered all over the place. The other thing that you could do is just the, just mindful breathing. I like the water and the breathing because you're hydrating and getting extra oxygen, but just mindful breathing, putting your hand on your chest and just taking a moment, take some slow breaths in, holding your breath, blowing it out, hold, inhale, hold, breathe out, hold. That uh way of breathing resets your mind and stabilizes you so that you have the clarity that you need to make a decision or to hear what's being said, to be present. 
I'd love to see people doing that before a meeting, like just take a moment and everybody just breathe, breathe together because mm -hmm. imagine the collaboration that's going to happen because everybody's in sync with their breath. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't want to get too, too out there, but no, I love this. <laughs> just taking that moment and connecting with yourself. You don't have to have minutes throughout the day. I've seen where people say, I schedule it. Uh, I had this one person say, I schedule an hour and a half. Where do you have an hour and a half on your day? I, I know. I need to learn that trick to free up an hour and a half. <laughs> I know. But you can make a couple minutes. You can make a couple seconds just to regather and, and get refocused. And, and that's the lesson that I really learned from boohooing and, and, and leaving a position that I absolutely loved. Yeah. <laughs> I had to teach myself how to, to take those moments. And it's those micro moments, those you know moments of zen and whatever you want to call it. Just for yourself right. so that you can get refocused on, on the task at hand. I love that. And I do something similar right before I'm going to speak. They always talk about mindful breathing and centering yourself before you're going out on stage. I'm one of those people who is not afraid of public speaking, um, but you wouldn't be natural if you didn't have a few anticipation butterflies in your stomach. So. <laughs> I do that breathing just to center myself so that I try to bring out my best self when um when I do speak. So I love and totally endorse that. So I hope your <laughs> listeners do too. And those of you who end up watching our YouTube channel, you will see me having done that while Dr. Bernie was sharing with us. And I hope you do that as well. So I can't let you out of here. Uh, Dr. Bernie, until um, I let you give perspective on the leadership tactics, talking about making things real in your day-to-day -day lives. Um, as you know, I wrote the book, Lead at the Top of Your Gain, and I talk about some of the leadership tactics of some of the world's most high-performing leaders. And I always ask my guests which one um, stands out to them. And you were so kind enough to say there were three that stood out for you. So I want to give you this space and grace to to share your thoughts on that. So the first one you mentioned was intellectual horsepower. So why did that mean a lot to you? What stood out for you about that tactic? So intellectual horsepower to me speaks to leaders always learning. Leaders always learn so that they can share. So if you are reading something, you should be reading. You should be listening. You should be listening to podcasts. You should be listening to, you know, even if, it, you know, on YouTube, watching stuff that will help you grow. It doesn't necessarily have to be within whatever your whatever your silo might be. Like for healthcare stuff, I don't always listen to, to healthcare leadership. I listen to stuff about, you know, from the military. I pull a lot of stuff from there. Different tactics that you can use. The reason is that you want to take those and be able to implement them. So I kind of alluded to that I used to say knowledge is power. Well, the power happens when you actually do it. So the power is in action. So then you might have the knowledge, but if you don't do anything with it, what good is it? It's just taking up more mind space or it, it goes away. <laughs> you lose it. That's right. So, you know, intellectual horsepower is being able to take that information that, that you've learned and implement it and move it forward and ha help somebody else because you are always, a leader should always be looking to push, move forward um, and bring those other people behind them. Leaders should be making more leaders, you know, and that's Thank where the you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, audience members, did you hear that? Leaders should always be helping to make other leaders. That is the purpose of being a leader. So, yes. uh, absolutely. So, uh, Vern, the second tactic that resonated with you was stakeholder savvy. 
You want to share a little bit about stakeholder savvy? Yes. So kind of uh, along the lines of that divergent leader, you have to be able to uh, situational awareness, your, uh, your emotional intelligence. How do you regulate your emotions? Um, being aware of self, being aware of others that you're with. So being able to be savvy is being able to pull different things from different areas of your mind to understand that this is how I need to be uh, within this particular situation or during this particular problem. So uh, uh, a divergent leader has to be savvy enough to pull whatever tools that they've learned during, you know, during the, the intellectual horsepower, always learning, you have to be able to pull and use that information and put it into action. But you have to be savvy enough, one, to be aware of it, uh, be aware of yourself, be aware of your surroundings, and be aware of the people that you're impacting. So you have to be savvy enough to do that. That makes agility. So the more flow and agile you are, the better you're rounded you will be and your team will be. And that brings us to the last one. You kind of hinted at it, but the last one was courageous agility. Yes. Which is, you know, all about having the courage to do the right thing and stand up for what you believe in. And right. why is that important as a leader? So a lot of times, remember we were kind of talking about earlier, if you are one leadership style and not wanting to be another one, you have to be able to fluctuate in between, depending on what the situation, again, what the situation is, what the uh, what's happening around you. You have to be agile during that. But you also have to be courageous enough to know that, okay, this might not be a skill that I'm comfortable uh, doing, but I'm going to do it because I tried it. I, I learned it. I'm trying it. And I'm going to evaluate it. Did that work? If it worked, hey, I'm putting that in my toolbox and keeping that for later. Uh, did it not right. work? Okay, let me put this over here. Maybe it wasn't for this situation. Don't get rid of it. Because I, I can't tell you how many times I heard, well, we tried that. That didn't work. Well, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, but did you try it in this situation? So you always have to have that, you know, the, those folder files with things that you might have tried that didn't work but also that you're trying something new, experimenting, getting curious, asking questions. You have to be courageous to do that because so many people want to fit in. And there's nothing wrong with fitting in, right? But you also have to be able to go against that grain, kind of buck that status quo. And to do that, you, you have to be courageous enough to be willing to put yourself out there, setting out those risks, knowing that the, the benefits, you take the risk knowing that the benefits might not always be in your favor, but when they do, oh boy, are they in your favor because you've opened potentials right. and, and, and possibilities that might not have been seen because you are open and a risk taker and willing to ask those questions that other people might not, might not ask and agile enough to then take the information that you get, implement it and make that change that needs to happen. Golden nuggets. I usually ask for only one, but I had to let you talk about all three because that was such a wonderful way to position all three of them of why they are all, you know, extremely important if you're trying to, you know, be the best leader you can be. And then the last question I have for you, I would love to round out our conversation by allowing you to give credit or kudos to a leader that you love. And so what we ask is that if they're think about a person or a business or a company or a brand that has earned the right of your admiration, I would love for you to share what that would be. So who, in your opinion, has done a great job of being a leader in their business or industry? So for me, that would be Gene Porter. Jean Porter was a uh, nursing supervisor that became my uh, preceptor when I first started in the trauma um, ICU. 
And everyone, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are intimidated by her because she was super smart. Like when we talk about (laughs) always reading and learning, she's an encyclopedia. Like, where do you even keep this knowledge? And um, so super smart, willing to share, willing to let you fail or fall forward. I didn't realize because a lot of times people will think that failing is a bad thing. You're not failing. You just learn something. Remember, we're talking about if you take something, you you tried it, you experimented with it and it didn't work. Okay, well, it didn't work now. That's not a failure. That's just you learned. Okay, it didn't work in that situation. Jean was amazing at that. And growing growth like she was her heart is in supporting for me, like I would not be the person or leader that I am now if Jean didn't realize or I'm sorry, I don't want to get that, didn't realize or see <laughs> the spark in me that I didn't know I had. But she was able to grow that spark and get me to where I was like, okay, well, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Show me more. Let me learn more. And she was always like, oh, you want more? Here's some more. How about <laughs> I got more. <laughs> more for you. Oh, you want to, she was the one who had me like promote up to like different positions. And I thought, I'm not ready for this. She's like, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. So oh my um, God. I love Jean. Jean sounds um, wonderful. And what was her last name again? Jean Porter. Jean Porter. Porter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we want to give huge kudos to Jean Porter for being leading at the top of her game and being an inspirational leader for both you and all probably that she came in contact with. So kudos to you, Miss Jean. (laughs) All right. Well, Dr. Bernie, I want to thank you so much for the gift of your time of being on the podcast. There were so many nuggets. I was taking notes as we were talking. Definitely we'll be including those in the show notes, but thank you so much for everything that you have shared and done. And we really appreciate your time for being on the podcast today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. A lot of fun. Thank you. And listeners, be sure to check out our show notes. Um, there will be information on how to reach out to Dr. Bernie Doyle. Should you uh, feel you should and you should, I'm going to tell you right now, go ahead and check out she and her website and her practice. They have so much to offer. And please share this information about the podcast with at least one friend because we could use the listeners and they can use a little bit of information on how they too can lead at the top of their game. Take care and see you next week. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Dr. Bernie Doyle, founder and CEO of Alchemy Solutions. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, And additional resources can be found both in the show notes on your favorite podcast platform of choice or on the web at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of divergent leadership. You know, divergent leadership is extremely exciting because it's all about a no-holds-barred, creative brainstorming and leadership around a problem. Now, its direct opposite is called convergent leadership, which considers you know, other dependencies uh, to come to a feasible course of action at the end of the day. Now, while both forms are important, divergent leadership brings innovation and out-of-the-box thinking to organizations. A divergent leader is someone who is able to really perceive at a high level what is actually happening in the moment 
then with keen intellectual and emotional dexterity, they can detect patterns and move people or initiatives in the most promising direction. Instead of utilizing one approach for leading, they can rely on multi-dimensional approaches and capabilities. And I really love how exciting divergent leadership can be. So I wanted to emphasize my case that I think we need more divergent leaders in organizations. Leaders today are faced with unprecedented challenges such as the speed of change, technological, the interconnectedness of the world today, and the diversity of workforces. However, there is an art to managing through the chaos, and leaders should not be left to navigate this so if you or your organization is interested in increasing the savvy of your employees to better lead in the moment, then please check out our signature program, Lead at the Top of Your Game, on our website at shockleydifferent.com. It's right there in the navigation bar. We'd love to chat more about what this could look like at your organization. So as you know, I will leave my one ask of all of you listeners is to subscribe and like the podcast and just share with your best friend because that will help us extend our reach and help others such as yourself to lead at the top of their game. Thanks so much for the gift of you listening and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes, with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.